0: Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Straight from the Hot Tap. This is a two-part Bonanza episode. This one is full of the usual wide-ranging intellectual conversations designed to bring spiritual enlightenment and mild revulsion to our listeners, with part two bringing you another special guest interview. The reason we have done this is simple. The interviews we have completed recently are so good they deserve to have their own dedicated recording. Frankly it would be a tragedy to edit them down too far to have sensible running time. I'm also not sure it's totally appropriate to have a chat with a round-the-world yacht skipper sandwiched between tales of poo-butter and threats to perform terrorist acts on Isle of White ferries. Anyway, sorry for the delay, but we hope you'll agree that it was worth it. As always, if you enjoyed this episode please like, share and leave us a comment. If you don't, well then why not book a mini-break to the Isle of Wight through Whitelink Company second only to Digger task for ruining your life. I'm Matt,
1: and I'm Lou.
0: I'm John. I am Josh, and I'm Matt. And this is
2: straight from the hot setter. Waiter, there's a there's a six inch nail in my eagle burger. <laughs> <laughs>
3: this could be a good way to segue into the environmental section, where we we give an honest critique of where the eagle should be consumed as burgers.
1: A d- rapidly
2: declining
3: eagle population.
2: Um, due right. to, and
1: yeah. listeners.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, rapidly declining listener population. Yeah. Oh, our listeners being turned into burgers as well. Is that what you're saying?
2: If Matt Graham was actually here today, maybe he would be interrupting us with the sound of him eating an eagle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> with chopsticks.
2: Along those lines, Matt just called me, by the way. He apologised. He he just can't make it. His work has gone crazy.
0: I might steal his slot anyway. I'm self-isolating again. Why? My week started with a COVID test this morning, quarter past
3: eight. Did you get get pinged on the app?
0: No. Christian's been hacking like a 40-day smoker. If he sets foot in school, he's got a maximum of five minutes before he's sent home. Oh god. That causes.
2: I mean it's so difficult to know now with all the conflicting news out there, but can you catch coronavirus over a podcast?
3: Are we safe? <laughs> <laughs> Only if you've had one vaccination in at least 12 weeks since uh, listening to the last podcast. It
1: depends. I mean, I'm, I hope you guys have got your face masks on. Like this guy that Matt was interviewing the other day who was doing an online interview with a face mask on.
3: <laughs> Is that for real? <laughs>
0: Yeah. Anyway, hey, what's the news, guys? Anyway, how's the um how's the last couple of weeks been?
3: Oh, you know, hey, I'm struggling to find two more hours back in the day because I've, I've had to go back to work, which I'm feeling quite aggrieved about. are You so, work like, back um, in the office, sort of full time, then? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so like, I'm, I, I know, know like this day was always going to happen, but it's come a lot sooner. I so literally, I got used to having two hours extra a day, but not commuting. The day seem so short now, even though. It's the longest day of the year next week.
1: Days <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, seem so short. How
3: come you can't work from home still? Is that just the company just doesn't like it? They were quite disingenuous. Actually, and they just said everyone the projects are all running behind. It's all because you're working so so badly at home. You've all got to come back to the office. You've been yeah, you've
2: been do. working so many hours though, haven't you? So it's
3: I know. Well, that's the thing. Everyone's worked loads of hours. We want you to work while you're driving
1: to work. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> we you work whilst you're sleeping?
3: That's right. That's what they
0: mm-hmm. want. Well, this is the time of the show we call... Matt's I'm going to take this opportunity then, in Matt's absence, to rant about white link ferries. I know that they are your nemesis. I'm not going to lie, right. if there was a way of commandeering a navy frigate without a lifetime in prison or worse, I would definitely do it. I would definitely sink the St. Catharines and the White Eagle uh, and all the other stupid <laughs> ferries. It's very
2: eagle-based tonight. Yeah, we've moved away from cats really firmly <laughs> onto eagles now.
0: All right, so the distance between mainland England and the Isle of Wight And its furthest point is about five miles, right? So there are four ferry crossing points on the island. And there are two companies that run the crossing. When I got a quote to go to see my dad a couple of weeks ago for this five-mile journey that takes 45 minutes, and at least seven minutes of that is listening to a safety announcement. In the unlikely event of an emergency, you will find your life jacket situated and all that crap. So, 45-minute crossing, the majority of which is sat waiting to get onto the boat. How much do you reckon it costs? Just with a ticket. 100 quid. 100 quid. So, a return ticket, yeah. So, this is leaving at 8.20 on a Friday and returning the following week, uh, midday or whatever it was. 100 quid, Johnny, you say 100 quid. Josh, you
2: are going to go higher or lower? I'm guessing by the tone and the ranty nature of this that it's. I'm going to go. I'm going to say um, 165 pounds. And go high. It's I know just,
1: the answer. So yeah. Do you know what the
2: actual
0: cost is. Bear in mind this is standard. This isn't premium. Was it a car? This is with a or... car? Yeah, yeah. Just me in a car. A normal car. This isn't. This isn't a 17 foot limousine. Yeah. You know. This isn't taking a double decker bus onto the ferry. Yeah. With a, With a trailer. Containing another double-decker bus. This is just... An old car. <laughs> yeah, £280 pounds
2: return. At £280? £280 oh, pounds return. God. That's not...
1: Absolute that's, robbery.
3: That is absolutely ridiculous. It's cheaper to go to France then, isn't it? Yeah. She would go to the yeah, fucking moon. Back. That's what I might do, you know, get a boat to
0: France and then just jump off just off the NAB Tower, <laughs> you know, with my paddleboard and and paddle my way to the island for the sum total of, I don't know, 150 pounds. At least I to get a nice carvery on board on that. <laughs> than a pre-packaged Benbridge crab sandwich that's never been near Benbridge or a crab. Oh mate, that is a daylight robbery So the only workaround of this and this this is where a massive shout out has to go to the esteemed establishment, the Isle of Wight Agricultural Society, so for the princely sum of £30 a year you can become an executive member of the Isle of Wight Agricultural Society which gives you a free ticket to the Isle of Wight County show as a VIP member I may add, which means you get in the day before for a a drinks reception you get to check out the prize bulls before anybody else does but another major benefit of this is you get discounted tickets to the Isle of Wight. So my ticket cost me £85, which is still a lot of money for 45 minutes. Big discount. Massive discount, right. So all of this, thinking, right, it could be worse. So the Isle of Wight ferries have absolute contempt for anybody that dares to cross the water using their boats. They hate you. They want you dead. Even
1: though they're taking your money. Right.
0: They're like the French waiter of ferry services. Absolutely. So get this right. So so last year I did that crossing and I got to the ferry half an hour before my allocated crossing time, only to be told that Ryanair style, they've overbooked. I couldn't get onto the ferry that I booked. I was then told to ring a number and I was put on a boat four hours later. Very annoying. So you think, right, okay, at least in that situation, there's a little bit of recourse. I got a bit of a refund. No, 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 I didn't even get a refund. Worse. I got a meal voucher for £5. Bear in mind, a glass of Isle of Wight tap water costs £5 on the Isle of Wight ferry.
1: Shut up. My voucher was as
0: good as useless. I might as well have had a voucher for my own castration. It was that appealing. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) <laughs> but this time this time i was fully aware of the need to get to the ferry port early because i don't want to get bumped for another boat four hours later i thought i'd take a quick route only to get stuck down a narrow road by a horse box coming the other way and i arrived 14 minutes before my my sailing two minutes of which was spent waiting behind the car in front who was clearly arguing with the jobsworth prick on the, uh, on the desk <laughs> about whether his trailer should cost him another £500 pounds to cross the water or something. So I get to the kiosk. He takes one look at me, then gets on his little radio and calls his equally jobs-worth union rep, the superior who's sat somewhere, no doubt, smoking a cigarette and working out how much his pension is going to be worth in 20 years' time and decides that I've arrived 40 minutes before my boat's due to sail and therefore I can't get on because the cutoff point is 15 minutes before the no. boat sails. So I was then sent to, a, sent to the naughty queue with another line of vehicles and told to ring the same fucking number, which, by the way, is a premium rate number at 49 pence a minute, only to be booked on a boat three hours later.
3: <laughs> is it the Matt Beatty hotline? Is it like, oh, Mr. Basie, sir.
1: It's you, you again, sir. Ring, you need
3: to re- <laughs> ring your number. See, what I think happened
0: is they saw my registration number come up and I thought, oh, ah, yeah. this is one of these agricultural society cheapskates. Let's make him pay. You know, let's, that 60
3: seconds is going to cost him three hours of his life. Surely the agricultural society needs to mobilize in a protest capacity. You think? Some sort of, like, blockade or some sort of muck spreading inside the boat or... <laughs> Just, uh, you know, you herd a load oh, of cows to these car decks.
1: Your, your crossing includes a free sheep <laughs> yeah,
3: that so you it's... can
1: take with you. Can you, you help all, a all of this stuff, bargain. Yeah, yeah. I know some people. They can get you hooked up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the only thing that's made this slightly bearable was the car behind me that contained a family of mum, dad, two kids, who had a journey on the mainland even further than mine up to York. They were booked on the Mm. 11pm ferry, having been one minute and 30 seconds late because of the 30 seconds it took for the jobs worth to explain that wasn't getting on the boat I booked on. So fuck you, Isle of Wight ferries. (laughs) Fuck you, Whitelink. So Johnny, this is where you need to to click into engineering, rotating equipment, marine engineering mode and come up with a viable, workable solution to get across the Isle of Wight without spending £280 and having to deal with the 70s communists that run the place
3: best solution would be to propose a big drill pointed downwards into the deck and just set it running until the boat just goes down and that happens to all of them i think that would be that would be a good solution
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah we need some solution so i think that basically one of the reasons why the boats are so expensive is because for that 45 minutes the people that run white link ferries seem to think you need three bars 27 widescreen tvs a soft play area a smoking lounge, a casino, for 45 fucking minutes. I'd be happily sitting in my car. I'd happily have somebody come to my window with a little trolley like they used to do in, uh, it, on the trains and offer me an overpriced Benbridge crab sandwich. And I'd happily sit there and enjoy no creature comforts for half the price. Not even half, but like a tenth of the price. Even that would feel expensive.
3: Or is there no possibility of some Dunkirk spirit? Whenever I've been down there, there's so many pleasure craft and little boats dossing around. Can't they all just pull together and get you across, Matt?
0: Yeah. I love that idea. It's a good idea, actually. It's nice. It's a great idea. It'd be quite a nice way to travel as well, wouldn't it? You know, you just get yeah. to bit a few people. One minute you're on a super yacht, next minute you're on a rowing boat and having to That's you right. know, put, pull your own weight, quite literally. sort of a bad shot. Like an Uber, an Uber of the
3: Solent. That's right. Yeah. Just a little rib just to get you across. You'd have to leave the baity wagon over there. But yeah, then, there is that. And then walk walk up to Nantwich. <laughs>
0: so anyway that's my rant fuck you white link the theme of tonight we're going to talk about the environment weren't we so so josh this was very much your baby
2: why don't you kick us off it's such a huge subject i don't really know where to start we're coming here off the back of a g7 summit where they've discussed it obviously the big concentration of everyone's attention media attention has been on climate change which is obviously hugely important and undeniable But I think it's such a big subject and and that's only a part of it. You know, when we think about just the damage to the natural world uh, and also the part that we play in that just by buying the products that we buy and living this kind of life that we do live. Where do you begin? I mean, the things that we eat may have an effect on something that happens in Indonesia, the travel that we may undertake affects the shared air of the entire, of the entire world. Um, it's just like we're in pretty deep as a global population. It's huge. I, I feel like there's so much more attention on it, but what do we do to then um, to have an effect, to have a positive effect, to change it? All of us feel, I think, probably like we wish we could do more. What can I do to make it better? But the problem is that some of it is stuff that you'd have to change your life so drastically that it's almost overwhelming to actually think that you can make a difference. It's tough. For example, a bugbear of mine is like plastic in supermarkets packaging. What makes me so angry is that if there was an actual law that prevented supermarkets from using that packaging, then we wouldn't bloody use it. There would be another way. It goes on like this. And it's just like there are so many sort of things that seem to be relatively simple, but they never seem to change. When it comes to kind of, I don't know, cruelty to animals, That's just a part of it as well, the degradation of the natural world. I think it was only last week or last month, the white rhino officially became extinct. And that's just one of so many species that are on the brink or or going over the edge. Like I say, climate change is is the buzzword. Climate change is hugely important. But there is so much else going on. It's really just this huge and vast human impact on the planet.
0: Do you think that climate change is too nebulous and too complicated a subject for it to really resonate with the people who need to take it seriously the most which is well all of us yeah i think
3: so or at least i think i think what covid has shown us is that some people will will just take a position against it because they can't can't handle the the change of what it means to their day by day and their normal existing life obviously there's some outright climate change deniers out there but for a lot of people it's just a lot of apathy and resistance to change and then they get bent out of shape because they're being asked to do something different and so i think and that contributes hugely to the dialogue about whether or not it's happening and you know should should we do anything about it when there's so much evidence to say you need to do something about it as
2: a sort of a general rule let's say we're fairly conformist populations Uh, maybe that's just a human trait but i think it's also if you're Generally governed in a half yeah. decent way, it's not a bad thing. If you drive at 120 miles an hour past a, a 50 Louise. mile an hour speed camera, <laughs> you are going to get punished. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah Louise. Yeah, bad example. Sorry, Sorry she didn't do it, officer. You, you know, if you do that, obviously that's an extreme example in terms of speed, but you would lose your license at that speed. But you know, even if you go past it at 60, you're gonna you're gonna get points off your license and you're gonna get a fine, and so it prevents you from doing it. So we're led to believe among most of the governments of the world that climate change is accepted as, as a real thing. There's so much evidence to prove that that is the case and it's the human activity that's causing it. So in that case, why are the measures imposed not way more ambitious? And in so doing, you know for example if, if if companies were fined, you know if they produced too much plastic, or if it was simply not a choice, because the problem is there's so much bloody choice with everything that we do, which is good sometimes, but also if there were no choice to go out and buy a packet of apples or something that were covered in plastic, if they were just in a paper bag a recyclable paper bag, we would get used to it so quickly. The human race is we're just we're so adaptable we're so adaptable to becoming lazy and just to to have everything that we want if it's available. But if it's not available, then we'll get the next thing that's available, which if it's a more um, environmentally friendly solution, we'd get used to it. If you imagine, for example, like Johnny used the coronavirus example, despite the frustrations, despite everything else, as a world population, people generally got used to having to wear face masks.
0: Yeah. Exactly as you pointed out there, if supermarket says we're not serving you if you don't have your own reusable carrier bag, then you just get used to it. I got half the way to to the shops and had to go home and get a mask because I didn't have one. But if the shop says, sorry, we can't serve you unless you've got your own bag, then that's just one thing, isn't it? My take on a lot of the environmental stuff is two fronts for me. There's a massive global political front, which is pressuring other countries to, to be more environmental friendly, it's policy, it's all this sort of stuff. But then for me, there's a there's a more local-based approach. And I think one of the big problems we have in this country is the belief that it's somebody else's problem. So when you talk about environment to anybody, the first thing people generally say is, it's the Chinese, it's the Americans. So the global politics, that's their problem, right? But the man on the street, so to speak, they don't, they don't regard their own role in environmental friendliness as important because they think that... The Chinese are worse. Whereas, if there were more images of the things that I see when I'm out swimming in a lake or walking in the in, in the lakes or something of bags of dog crap hanging from trees, of disposable barbecues left next to beauty spots, of thirty quid's little tents left in forests next to burnt out beer cans. I was on the Isle of Wight a couple of um, months back and. Somebody had had a, a beach party over there, and there must have been easily a hundred beer bottles, cans, pieces of litter left in an area of a couple of square meters. You know, the, the, the White Link Christmas party was obviously epic. This
2: year.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the stuff that needs to be to, to be shown. It needs to, we need to be shown that mirror. You are the ones leaving litter you are the ones leaving your disposable
2: barbecue in a place it's totally linked and i totally agree with you but that is also a certain part of society who who are the, they're the, obviously the worst they're the ones who don't care about the environment and they don't take any responsibility of their actions and they have the selfish attitude where they can leave litter around which is mm. again like should be punishable by death i think but um <laughs> but the the <laughs> maybe too far i don't know but um but again i mean amazes me again is that you know these kind of uh, you know in terms of how to regulate let's say our environmental impact in a kind of you know rules and regulations kind of way how to how to how to regulate it like i said before if it came from an actual if we were literally not allowed (laughs) to do something we wouldn't do it however all the pressure comes from people like Greta Thunberg and others and and other charities, which I I just find, obviously, they're inspirational and they're doing an amazing job and they're shining a light on all the things that the light should be shone on. However, why can that leadership not come from the leaders of our countries? The solutions, some of them are obvious, so why don't you just make them happen?
3: You're so right, Josh. It's it's a completely artificial It's a human made problem, but it's also the tools are there to be, to fix the problem with the right will and the right commitment and like, but it's like, why aren't you doing it? So the other day there was a landmark ruling by the Dutch court, Shell got taken to court for their emissions profile and their intended development and whether or not it was going to meet the Paris Agreement 1.5 degree approach and anyway the the court ruled in favor of the people and it actually made shell cut its emissions and it was considered to be a landmark ruling it's never happened before it's completely unprecedented uh their share price completely tanked and it was being compared to in the in the in the written press as you know a moment analogous to to people's views changing on on tobacco in the 1960s and 70s and and how you know the, the realization began to dawn in in individuals on a on a very on a human individual family domestic setting, and there are some things happening. So like you know the Germany, you know the Greens are polling in the lead at the upcoming elections, and there's more aggressive carbon pricing initiatives. They're also very very tame, and and you see like G7 the other day, and you see that the outcome of G7, even though in Western Europe we're talking about you know hydrogen and, and electrification and and ccs and all this stuff the the, out, the outcome of that was just to curtail financing to new greenfield coal fired power stations in china and it's like guys that's in absolute terms is a good thing <sighs> but it's like you could do so much better you could have done so much better
2: as as individuals like we, that that makes us angry and i'm sure a lot of other people you know because you there's the choice isn't it is there i mean you can if you take all this stuff really seriously you would actually have to lead a very alternative life i mean obviously you can make steps you can you can take steps you can become a vegetarian or a vegan which does have a big impact if you have to get to work if you have to even just shopping in a regular supermarket like i say the packaging or it could be that you what what really makes me so angry is, is regular stuff like peanut butter containing palm oil the, the destruction that has caused the habitat in um, like places like Indonesia is just unthinkable. Like pristine forest is now just palm plantations where these species are, are now, they they have no home. We don't need palm oil in, in our products. There are alternatives. So why on earth are they still being used? It's just, that sort of thing makes me so angry because unless you peer at the packaging and and really know what's in it, you'll find you're innocently sort of going about your day contributing to these kind of horrors and it's just like, you know, you shouldn't be allowed to.
1: Yeah, and that's that's really interesting because within work, I'm part of the environmental trustees group. We can't always do an awful lot to help the global matters. And we can't influence that terribly. There are things that we can do. So part of our trustees group aim is to enable people to make one small change. And to say that no one can be perfect, no one can just live a perfect carbon neutral life. But if you could make one extra small change in a positive environmental way, then if a massive group of us did that, that surely would have an effect.
3: Completely, yeah, completely. So yeah. it sets the culture to other people to, to keep the same standard as well, and yeah. that's what ultimately drives the change. Recycling my bottle tops isn't saving the planet, but it, it gets everyone if everyone no, but it's does it, something. and it' you know? yeah, yeah, no, yeah. exactly.
2: If, if everyone joins together and does it, then great. But it
3: all counts, you know, arguably, you know U.K government, they've set an aggressive target on diesel cars to be no more new sales of diesel cars by I think it's 2030, but for there to be a really viable opportunity. They need a huge quantum leap in electric vehicles or hybrid vehicles. You need charging points everywhere. You know, tariffs, new tariffs, new infrastructure, quick charging. So that,
1: yeah. You know, and therein the reason... is the problem. You know, you need the infrastructure, needs massive investment, and it's going to need massive energy inputs to sustain that. I,
0: I think a lot of it's down to exactly as you, the very first thing we talked about is if people have a choice, they'll take the easy option. For example, the automotive industry, obviously, we work in the automotive industry. And the one thing that we don't, nobody really talks about is, Automotive doesn't make money from selling cars. It makes very little money. Something like a few hundred pounds per per vehicle on a new new vehicle. That's all they're making. So the majority of the revenue that goes into Automotive comes from aftercare, service and repairs, all that sort of stuff. Hmm. So they haven't yet figured out how they're going to make money from aftercare with electric because there are a tiny fraction of the movable parts. So at the moment, you know, uh, yeah, so uh, uh, the likes of Volkswagen, the amount of money they make on repairs and spares, you know, brakes, all this kind of stuff is 10 times more than what they make on actually making the car in the first place. So they're terrified that if they switched solely over to electric and there's fewer moving parts, they're more reliable. They just won't have a revenue stream that's anywhere near
3: what they've currently got. But that's where free market politics fails, or at least it does if you're trying to work on a time scale. because you know, for, for 2030 to happen in the UK, you have to intervene. You have to set some incentives for startup companies and small and medium sized enterprises to develop charge points, buy land for charge points, develop cars and stuff. You know, the other way, make it punitive for diesel car drivers. And just saying it's going to happen—it it sometimes needs a needs a push. I think that's where leaders could really set the agenda. Yeah, agreed. There's an app
2: called, and there are a few different ones like this. So this is just one that I kind of came across, but it's called it's called Climber K L I M A. It's really simple to use. It essentially asks you some sort of pretty brief and easy questions, um, and and calculates an approximate carbon footprint obviously depending on your what kind of car you have how far you drive each year how many flights you might take how big your home is and how you provide energy to it etc anyway calculates your carbon footprint and then it calculates a monthly amount how you can offset it and you can choose how you offset it there's basically three categories you can plant trees you can increase solar panel energy so you can choose how you know where you want your sort of investment to go and it's so simple. They say the average UK carbon footprint is at like 5.6 tonnes per year, which in itself is staggering because of work. And so I know I haven't. I, I added flights as if life was normal, let's say. My carbon footprint is over 10. And I was, I was amazed by that. But it was basically the flights that added to that. So I, I chose to offset it with solar energy and with the tree planting. And even despite that, it's like less than £9 a month to do that and the whole idea of the of the app is to is people like us i guess what can i do to actually make any kind of difference again it's it's a starter It, it helps you do something at least but at least I have this sort of knowledge, I guess, in a way that some of the stuff I'm doing is being offset by positive acts and positive changes to the environment. So yeah, there are things that we can do like that. It's like the uh, the narcissist test. What's your carbon footprint <laughs> <laughs> test? Yeah. If anyone's interested as well, I've been listening to it for quite a long time. There's a podcast called Outrage and Optimism. There are these sort of three climate change activists, one of whom actually was, was a key negotiator in the Paris Agreement. Uh, and they get the most interesting guests and uh, they really sort of go quite deep into the issue what you can do and who's doing what in that in that kind of world it's quite it's good it's really to do with the world's population being unbelievably too much for the natural world to handle and i think that that is something that people have to start talking about if the world is going to be saved for want of a less dramatic word the subject of the size of the world's population has to be discussed in 1900, there were about 1.6 billion people on the planet. There are now, only 120 years later, just under 8 billion people on the planet. Population is supposed to grow to about 11 billion by the end of this century. How on earth can 11,000 million people just take what they want from the resources and the environment and the natural world without destroying the planet? That's some scary stuff. That's
1: some scary stuff. And- you know, please edit this out, Matt, but I think coronavirus has addressed that a little bit recently. (laughs)
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. the likelihood is, is as population grows, so the prevalence of virulent diseases is going to increase.
2: There'll be another
0: COVID.
1: There'll be something new on a similar scale. Mm
0: -hmm. So one thing I've always thought about, well, particularly during the lockdown period, is the dearth of local, beautiful, natural spaces, right? You know you have to travel a fair a fair distance, and we're lucky where we are because we don't actually have to travel that far at all but if you're in big built up areas Birmingham London, all that kind of stuff, apart from the the parks you've got to go a fair way. I've always wondered why we don't take disused manufacturing areas like we have in Stoke, for example, there's huge parts of stoke uh, are just disused factory yeah and, and convert them into parks i mean with that
3: you know, is there contaminated land issues with that? Is it maybe? But they like maybe, but there are just specialist contracts that can do it. It's just, it's just a question of money. That's such a good use of inner city spaces, especially if, if like the high high street is changing in its way of of, of you know people. It's you know the, the people don't need shopfront type shopping so much anymore yeah just open it up just open it up into natural green space and let let nature come back
0: my view is that, it, that, that it's completely short-sighted and also naive to think that things have to make money if you get natural environment right you can make it pay for itself there's a lake near us that was essentially a, a pit in the ground that a farmer used to put a few fish in and, and rent out to a local fishing club and They've now converted it into a leisure facility. So it's a really nice lake. You can swim. You can paddle boards. They've got farmer's markets every Sunday and so on. You know, and they charge you, what, six quid to get in or something? And no joke, it is absolutely hammered every single week. You have to book to get in. People queue around the block to go there. There's just not enough of them. And I'm convinced that if you, had, if you leveled the industrial areas of stoke that are no longer used for factories, cover them in, in greenery, Use the the land properly. You'd you find a way of, of making it pay.
3: And the other thing as well is, and this is like one of my bugbears, is that is that just stop building houses on greenfield land.
0: Yes, yeah, Stop Building
3: yeah. more and more developments on on new land. And yeah, okay, there's a housing shortage and you need more capacity. But please show some more imagination than, than just building on the green belt and green spaces or quasi protected land outside existing settlements Just be more creative about using mm. existing spaces. Don't even get me
1: started on the greed of farmers wanting to sell off two acres to her her developer for £100,000. And I'm from a farming family.
0: The farming community also needs to open up its land a little bit i think there's too many farmers in this area that hoard land they've got loads of space they don't use a lot of it for the originally intended purpose because they don't need to so much these days and they could open it up to new footpaths they could open it up to
1: oh god good luck (sighs) yeah right oh my god could you imagine farmers around here opening up their land to ramblers oh right my to god Rome, no problem oh yeah there'd be an uprising farmers buying rifles <laughs> <laughs>
0: rather than giving them subsidies for set-aside land they have subsidies for footpath land and that they'd rather, rather
1: starve
0: <laughs> 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 anyway moving swiftly on so obviously the source material taunton we've not mentioned it once yet so i thought it'd be interesting to look at how we could turn Taunton into a beacon of environmental friendliness, so that it can be celebrated globally for its approach to protecting the environment. So, what have you got, guys? Johnny, mm. what, are your, what are your thoughts on the subject?
3: Well, I've got two. I mean, I've got two two great ideas actually. My first one is a jolly, just just a ridiculous, outlandish idea, and that is the immediate suspension of the construction of Hinckley Point C nuclear power Ooh. station. Oh, nice just light-hearted <laughs> nice light-hearted yeah of course that's never gonna happen that's never it's so unrealistic but no the other one my other one is well actually you sort of mentioned it already Matt. but i kind of like about housing and stuff and reuse so in japan most of the housing stock is is totally recyclable so like the design life for house over there is built for 30 years so it's all built with a demolition plan in mind and you know easily recyclable materials and then strand i I sort of like it's a local thing near to me is, is there's a whole whole area of land where it's like an estate anyway they've just let it rewild they just do no human intervention and they've rewilded it for the last 10 years and already got huge huge species of fauna there's all these wild pigs deer all kinds of migrating birds yeah. and so you know, it's beautiful it's so beautiful you feel like you're entering the animals domain which mm. sort of feels like how it should be so this may be controversial, and uh, given that we're trying to sort of like uh, promote Taunton, but my idea is is basically to rewild all of taunton <laughs> and to just, <laughs> you, know,
1: but, I'm yeah, actually you
3: can... really annoyed because this was also my idea oh, no! <laughs> oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> well, it must be a good idea then. I know, I just got a vision great
1: of wilderness line.
0: rampaging across, across the uh, Staple Grove roundabout, you know. <laughs> uh,
2: the, the river full of crocodiles. Yeah, you know, it sounds like something <laughs> like, like Jumanji or something. <laughs> you do know that they're not natural. <laughs> they're like coming down from the quad talks into yeah. Tornton. Like, oh, great,
3: <laughs> oh, great, yeah.
2: The lions aren't just, you know, like, you know
3: quarantined <laughs> to the hill, they can come into the town now. You know?
0: There are some, some species, though, that were native many hundreds of years ago that are no longer native that
3: Taunton would be a
0: great home for, like the, the European bison being one of them. Oh, wow. Yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. I think there's a lot of playing fields, you know, uppers at Taunton School. Nobody likes playing sports up there. <laughs> no, that yeah. could be the starting point of the... Could um, be the steps. Yeah, it could be the savannah, yeah. The lynx and the wolf, yeah. these are species that you know, would be a great. Home they would for. thrive maybe... in Vivry Park. Yeah, definitely. There's always been a surplus of beavers in Taunton, but maybe not in the Whoa. right
1: place.
0: <laughs> I fully endorse your idea. I'll do the wildlife. You can do the the
3: flora and fauna. Okay, Josh and Luke can do the evictions of the sitting population. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. Luke can bring a rifle as a, a farmer's
2: rifle. <laughs> I'll just tr- chase them away with like a sort of. Ball trimming device.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll just bring the rifle.
0: <laughs> Lou, you've never been to Taunton, but I've given you plenty of notice on coming. Know,
1: up. know, but I no, I don't know.
0: I even gave you an idea that you haven't, you haven't yeah, but I, run with. I f-
1: totally forgotten you about know, that. Really you know,
0: it was like turning into the turning Taunton into into a giant Eden project and constructing a giant greenhouse dome over the entire town.
1: Yeah. I didn't, if I'm honest, I didn't give didn't like it an idea. awful lot of thought. I'm so sorry. Wow. It was just pre operation head right. fog time. I'll let you off. <laughs> but I thought that would be quite nice,
0: you know, because then you could, you could harness Mother Nature and create a tropical wilderness in the West Country. So it would not only increase tourism in a big way, but we could also use it as a place to experiment with putting new species of plants and animals into the West Country. So that and rewilding, we're talking some big ticket stuff going on there. Matt, how are you doing? Oh, yo, yeah, Matt, you're in. You're patched
1: you're in. Mad, Have I? you patched yourself in?
4: I patched myself in.
1: Skills. First time.
4: I'm only dropping in for about 10 minutes.
2: Just a lunch, a lunch break.
4: So <laughs> I, I, I thought I'd be the ideal guest star for the show.
1: So
0: just going to tell a few pedo jokes, then fuck off.
4: Totally. I thought I I'd be it's the awesome. ideal Steasing guest carrots
1: now. And hummus.
4: Super mm-hmm. English, actually. I've got a cup of tea and um, two donuts.
1: Ooh, very English. Can't beat a brew.
4: Well, actually, they're American um, donuts, though. They're you know, with the holes in them. Yeah.
0: So, so Matt, you, you joined just in time. Actually, we we're just talking about how we could turn Taunton into a beacon of environmental friendliness. So, Johnny has yeah. um, gone for the mass rewilding program. That was also my idea, but I oh, yeah. don't Johnny have it. You know, this one. Share it, um, man. Let's share it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, failed miserably yet again and coming up with something despite <laughs> being fed some brilliant ideas, including yeah. turning Taunton into a giant Eden project with a huge glass dome over the entire city. Josh is yeah. yet to go. So, I'll, I'll let Josh go and let you give you a chance to think about this. Josh.
2: The first thing that springs to mind is to build, when I say large, I'm talking like what Saddam Hussein would have done in Iraq before he was ousted, a statue of of david attenborough so that when you come off the m5 you have to drive through his open legs just to get to taunton (laughs) and then i think that that's the outrageous part of it but also that would be constructed entirely of solar panels and then i think especially with the, the warmer weather i started out with the big part let's say the dramatic the big opener as you as you arrive into, through David Attenborough's legs. But then I would probably just tone it down a bit and just say that we should probably put lots of solar paneling on the buildings of Taunton. And so we could make it like a sort of, the whole town would be sustainably sourced from, from solar panels.
0: So you're turning Taunton into a giant battery, basically.
2: Yeah, that's right. That would power like David that. Attenborough's <laughs> statue.
0: You know, like in France, we've got the L'Arc de la Défense and the Arc de Triomphe in line with each other. Yeah, You have the statue of David Attenborough facing exactly the statue of Judge Jeffreys that
2: Matt created next to the uh, Taunton Casino. Exactly, exactly. And actually, you could use all this solar panelling for the casino. So it would be a win-win because people would come to – they would drive through David Attenborough's legs and then towards Judge Jeffreys, the casino. And then it would also be a sort of wildlife park where they could – See all the the species that haven't been in this area for hundreds of years. So it'd be like a kind of casino trip, but also like a long leet of, of Somerset. <laughs> it'd be
0: like a long leet, cross with Jurassic Park. Yeah. yeah.
3: Will David Attenborough be animated and He'll rip the sort of windscreen wipers off your car window before <laughs> you...
1: <laughs> just before you enter. You won't be needing them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so sunny and taunting
3: It never
0: rains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. it. Matt, what are your thoughts?
4: Well, to me, it wouldn't be a very difficult planning meeting because there's only really one legitimate way to do this. China is on course to controlling the world right now, right? We've got probably 10 years before the Chinese economy and military overtakes the West completely. They've already bought up 90% 90% of the developing world's resources. So the prognosis for the future is Russia's a failing state. The Russians sort of had, the, had a sort of post-Soviet day but it's probably going to come to an end because their economy is not sustainable. My point being China is going to reshape the world in its own image and as you pro- guys probably know, they've actually already started doing so. Uh, are you guys aware that the Chinese have built a replica of Paris?
0: No. They also built a replica of the Titanic.
4: Right. And so it doesn't surprise me. So, no, they've built a replica of the center of Paris um, somewhere in China. And it doesn't surprise me they've built a replica of the Titanic either. So, what I would do is I would simply have the Chinese come in and build a replica of Taunton. (laughs) So that somewhere in China, you would have an exact replica of Taunton (laughs) built by the latest in Chinese engineering.
2: (laughs) I'm <laughs> just trying to work
4: that one out. <laughs> will, will, will there just be a lot more smog in the Chinese one? It's, it's not really, going to, is it? But the Chinese don't care about <laughs> the environment, I don't think.
1: But it, it's, is it it's surely know, keeping think... Taunton alive? Shrugged
4: Listen, the smog, Chinese are probably... Smog. The Chinese are probably and legitimately still angry about the opium wars of the 1840s and <laughs> the fact that we interfered with their civil war causing millions and millions of unnecessary deaths in the 20th century so i don't think they're going to be bothered by the environmental ramifications of building a replica of taunton
2: so there's going to be a taunton massachusetts a taunton somerset and a taunton somewhere in china
4: shenzhen or something wow maybe someday we'll be doing this podcast from live from the Chinese version of well, Talk. With, a,
2: with an AK-47 stuck in our heads like yeah,
4: yeah with like Huawei it, Wi-Fi and
1: <laughs> 8G
4: 8G and we'll probably have a lot less personal freedom <laughs> like
2: a lot less.
4: the jokes yeah. will be screened
1: well, anyway, mind on, blown.
0: That note, on that note this is the latest advert that I've made <laughs> Nestled in the rolling countryside of Somerset's beautiful Blackdown Hills is the jewel in the crown of local gastronomy. Where better to enjoy the very best of classic British inspired dishes than our historic pub built in the early 1800s and modernised to cater for 21st century tastes than the Greyhound pub in Staple Fitzpain. (laughs) Modern touches blend seamlessly with the traditional in this incredible example of design and architecture, look out for the subtle, tasteful Dutch touches and the burnt orange seat covers to the clog-wearing waitresses as we celebrate our corporate values. Our award-winning Sunday Carvery promises to fill even the largest of appetites. Our genetically engineered meats go further than the locally produced alternatives. If you're sick of local ales, we promise to bring you the coldest and fizziest light lagers InBev has to offer. We also provide a wide range of weatherspoons inspired snacks. Enjoy our deep fried halloumi and jam sharing platter or our customer favourite garlic bread made with Spanish churned extra nutty butter. The Greyhound at Staple Fitzpain is the only destination for all of your hospitality needs. Art Vanderbilt to book a table.
4: It's clear to me that you are probably being overworked at <laughs> your job. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
4: I think you need to talk about reducing your hours.
0: Well the disturbing truth is that it takes me very little time to do those. Once I've got the idea in my head, we're talking 20 minutes. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it
4: you. Well, listen, the disturbing truth is, uh, unfortunately, I've got to get back to uh, writing a plan for a television episode. So I'm glad I could contribute even in a small way. Please edit that out, just in case anyone ever hears <laughs> that.
0: <laughs> this is News Reviews.
1: So we've got a legit review from episode 14, the poo butter prank episode. And yeah, it says your discussion around social media really resonated with me. I find that society uses social media as a way of numbing actual thinking, reading and discussion for oneself. Also, we'll never be able to look at a tub of butter or margarine again. Yeah.
0: So thank you for your review, listener. Yeah. No show yourself
1: do you know honestly the things I have researched from being <laughs> on this podcast that I really just need to erase off my google search history it's not okay anyway <laughs> <laughs> so apparently poo butter is one of the, the ultimate paybacks to your mortal enemy or failing that a superbly dis- <laughs> Disgusting prank that will make you the most outcast hated human being on your friends list.
4: <laughs> Brilliant. So, I'm not going to go through the
1: whole description, but the language includes your victim's kitchen, hiding the deadly secret, <laughs> your. Your hapless victim. <laughs> and apparently, poo butter is a suggested tactic for situations such as domestic arguments, fights with siblings, hated co workers, and nasty neighbours. Johnny. Right.
0: This poses lots of questions here.
3: <laughs> is it, it an urban legend, <laughs> oh,
0: or is the perpetrator also the author of said? Post on Urban Dictionary.
1: Well, it's interesting you should yeah. say that, Matt, because i found, <laughs> because I found quite a fairly old recollection of a similar prank. And I'm not actually sure when it's from. It's, it's fairly, uh, quite a few years ago. It says, I recently uh, looked up on the internet at the worst prank ever. Where you melt butter, poop in a butter tub, pour the melted butter on top, let it coagulate, and then it looks like butter and hides your poop. I did that. Oh, my God. Uh, It took about two weeks for anyone to find out about it. We were sitting at dinner. It started to smell a little. (laughs) The butter had been left out for a few hours and started to get soft, which, for whatever reason, was allowing the smell of poop to be revealed. I tried to put it back in the (laughs) fridge in my embarrassment because I realised how fucked up a prank it was and how my family was all eating the The butter, not just my brother. Oh, my God. I am not a smart man <laughs> oh, <laughs> My mother Is the one that found the poop oh, She no. found <laughs> She took a lot- large <laughs> <is coming> <laughs> <of
2: America>. oh,
1: <sighs> She took a large knifeful Out of the tub mm. And the tip of the knife was brown <laughs> Breaking the airtight Butter seal Of the two week old no! poop Allowed for the most horrid stench I could have imagined <laughs> my mother tried to sue the I can't believe it's not butter people until I had to admit I pooped in the butter (laughs) and then he said "Uh, now my family won't speak to me hate begets hate don't join the dark side I didn't
0: know where to start with that that's that's amazing so (laughs) there are multiple (sighs) butter poopers out there
1: yeah, so it's not an isolated incident.
0: This
1: is in the Urban Dictionary. No. It's not still not okay on any level.
0: No. Don't try this at home. These pranks were performed by highly trained professionals and should not be recreated in the home environment. <laughs> Straight out of the mean streets of SW8, Superman's best friend, Dan Carter's life coach and the man they call the face of savers. The wire-avoiding, international man of mystery, Josh. This is Taunton Madness.
2: I can say that a few more interesting things have been happening in Taunton since last week. When I had to say it was, it was a dull week last week, lost car keys and stuff. But Taunton's back with a bang. Great. So this really does just highlights how life has changed um, since we were at school in Taunton. And I guess this is, this is, this is definitely a modern day problem. In the UK, whereas once it wasn't. Harper Jane Hughes is asking, "Can anyone recommend a company to hire a prom car, preferably a convertible? I'm having an absolute nightmare finding one for my daughter's prom in July." Crying face. So if anyone's got like a, some sort of convertible prom car, you know, get in touch. But I just that, just it just made me think, my God, we didn't proms that, is, that has been something that's been adopted hasn't it since like it would, just did not exist until quite recently in the yeah, uk Yeah,
1: no not at all it's like an adopted american yeah. thing in cheshire a lot of the kids go to their proms in tractors
2: oh that's cool oh that is cool that's kind of cool that that's would be much cool. better if it was like that in taunton I, I hope that's the case in taunton
1: i would expect it, that's that's fairly similar in taunton so,
0: so johnny and i would have gone in a chauffeur driven mini with Bucket seats and you know stripped out interior, <laughs> driven by the stunt driver from Live and Let Die. That's what we have got. Been, isn't it? We may or may not have got there alive. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, R.I.P. That mini. I, I love it. I love that car. I love uh, I love that car. <laughs>
2: Well, Matt Davis is asking, hello all, we're moving to Wiveliscombe this week from South Coast and can't wait to explore the area. What are the must-see places in Somerset that we could check out first? And we, yeah, we love the new forest near us, so keen to check out the Quantock Hills, but what other gems are there around, please? Someone's put in the Steam Railway from Bishop's Lydia to Minehead, which I do agree with, that's a good one. Yeah. That is a good one, definitely worth doing. And then someone else has come in going, "Fivery Park in Taunton? <laughs> So, <laughs>
3: I'll
1: tell you what though,
0: when Johnny and my rewilding program takes off, you go to Vivory Park, you see some European bison. You can avoid death by you know a pack of lynx.
2: Maybe see some wolves. Look at the beavers damming the the weir. But yeah, that would make it much more interesting. There's a regular contributor called Phil Hill. He talks a lot about traffic problems in and Taunton. And I think anything sort of vehicular is his like domain on this. Facebook group but anyway this goes in in with our talk about the environment so he's saying an electric car club is under consideration in Taunton it would give people access to an environmentally friendly vehicle without the huge costs of ownership it's from the Somerset County Gazette so yeah there could be an electric car club in Taunton which would be pretty cool I think he's also piped up on another thing because he does he his main contribution is about roadworks but there's more disgruntled motorists in taunton at the moment whether they're driving electric or not they're going to be held up by some more roadworks now i thought i just should mention there's a missing cat this is our chance to do something good for the cat kind there's a young female one and a half year old black and white cat that's gone missing from Galmington road she's an indoor cat and never goes out, and she's been missing since... Not anymore, she's not. ...before 5.30pm. <laughs> the funny thing is then someone someone commented underneath, sort of helpfully, but not helpfully, have you looked in all your cupboards and any hiding places in your home, <laughs> if she's a home cat? <laughs> I thought I'd lost mine some years ago, and she had sneaked into the airing cupboard and found her fast asleep hours later after looking everywhere for her.
0: So... Um, well, did you hear what happened to my, to my yeah, sister's cat? My helpful comments.
2: My sister's cat went missing,
0: and... um She found it when she emptied the tumble dryer.
2: Oh my God,
1: why did you say that? (laughs) Oh my
2: God. This is a true story. Oh my God, mate. That is absolutely awful. Let the complaints roll in. Did you spot the Queen in Taunton yesterday? And I would just add that she didn't stop. But the Queen was spotted travelling through Somerset on the Royal Train, I guess from the G7 back to london or windsor so yeah there's a train spotter who's got the picture of the royal train big news and lastly this is another one johnny this is a big up to that you will obviously have a have a very personal connection to but congratulations to the uk hydrographic office it's hey. been voted the best office in britain to work in wow um, what um yeah uh, it looks like it's had a huge revamp. The building looks so nice and sort of modernised. It's in the Somerset County Gazette as well. The Taunton office voted the best place
3: to work in Britain, and that's the no UK way. Hydrographic
2: Office. Yeah. That's amazing.
3: That's where my dad yeah. used to work. He was in the hydrographic department, of the Navy, so um, that's where he used to work. But he was never very complimentary about it. The only thing that we would always ask him, well, basically we always had the same conversation, which was, is there a secret nuclear bunker underneath the hill? And he would just say, no. So there definitely was. <laughs> you have to
2: say it's the best place to work. That we've yeah, to. It's, it's, yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: We do actually have a secret nuclear bunker near us in Cheshire.
1: Yeah, it's signposted. Secret nuclear bunker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been there?
1: Yeah, it's really boring. It's so shit.
0: Is that because you couldn't actually find it? It was just like an empty, empty space?
1: No, it's like this really awful museum. About how it used to be a nuclear bunker.
0: I love all the museums. That's one of my favourite things. Any animated models and yes. like pre-recorded voice segments. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a waxwork of Prince Andrew.
1: No. <laughs> yeah. No. It was. It was terrible. I'll take you there one day for a, a treat. A waxwork
2: of Prince Andrew that that doesn't even melt if you put it next to the, to extreme heat. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> <laughs> yeah, very that cool. rounds up and Matters for me this week Thank you very
3: much
0: Well that takes us to the end of the show Thanks so much for listening This week's shout out goes to the Isle of Wight Agricultural Society The bargain sum of £30 pounds, and you can support island agriculture go to the Isle of Wight County show as a VIP and deprive the thieving pirates of Whitelink from excess revenue to spend on widescreen TVs and celebrity important safety announcements. This was straight from the hot tab. Duppy Media is a Taunton web development business guaranteed to bring your web projects to life. From one-page sites of full e-commerce enabled web builds, Duppy Media can give your company the edge you know it deserves. Call Mark at Duppy Media for e-commerce web hosting, new builds and website additions. You will find Mark's personalised and tailored service the perfect partner for injecting some sparkle into your company's website, and at a very competitive price. Visit www.duppymedia.co.uk for more information.